And I want to give a little bit of context before getting into the scripture so that we understand where we're at in the story. The Israelites have been liberated from Egypt. They have left bondage. They attempted to go into the promised land, but due to their fear, they were left wandering in the desert for 40 years. And now, Moses, their great leader, has died. He has passed on. And they have a new leader in Joshua. Joshua has taken the reins. He is to lead them into the promised land. But before they can begin that journey, they must first cross the River Jordan, which is where Joshua chapter 3 finds us. Please enter the story of God and listen for a word from God. Early in the morning, Joshua rose and set out from Shittim with all the Israelites, and they came to the Jordan. They camped there before crossing over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place. Follow it, so you may know which way you should go. For you have not passed this way before. Yet there should be space between you and it, a distance of about 2,000 cubits. Do not come any nearer to it. Then Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. To the priest, Joshua said, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on in front of the people. So the priest took up the Ark of the Covenant and went in front of the people. The Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so they may know that I will be with you as I was with Moses. You are the one who shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Joshua then said to the Israelites, Draw near and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, By this you shall know that among you is the living God, who without fail will drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is going to pass before you into the Jordan. So now twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. When the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off. They shall stand in a single heap. When the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant were in front of the people. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So when those who bore the Ark had come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still. Rising up in a single heap far off at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, while those flowing toward the Sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. Then the people crossed over opposite Jericho. While all Israel were crossing over on dry ground, the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, 
until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words spoken be the words you mean to be spoken. May they be your words and your words alone. May the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our great shepherd, our redeemer, and our rock. In your name, amen. We're continuing our sermon series, Stories for Young and Old, so I thought I'd pair a favorite children's book with a favorite story in Scripture. I like it because Joshua is someone who finds himself in a precarious situation. He's in a new position, and the Israelites are about to embark on a journey into the Promised Land, a journey they attempted once before and failed. They were too afraid to stand up to the challenges awaiting them, but now are beginning again. This space Joshua occupies is one I think we're faced with often, a position of newness, a position of insecurity, of not knowing what to do next, of even possible failure. I mean, Moses, the great patriarch who led them out of Egypt, was not able to lead the Israelites to the Promised Land. How can Joshua? The task before Joshua will not be easy and will occupy the most of his remaining years, but this is the task that God has called him to. And it's not going to be something he does all at one time. He's going to have to begin with the crossing of the Jordan River. In our lives, we're called to work for the kingdom of God, to love others, to care with compassion, to seek justice, to promote peace. And these are no small task. They're huge, monumental calls in our life. And if you're like me, when I read the paper, when I watch the news, when I hop on social media, I just am sometimes moved to utter despair. A paralysis of what can I do? How can I step up to the powers of the day? What can I do to bridge the gap of the vitriolic partisanship? What can I do to support our black, indigenous, and persons of color siblings? How can I love people when I can't even see them? How can I care for people when I don't feel it's safe to leave my house? How can I serve God when it all seems too much? And for the answer to these big existential faithful questions, for hope and encouragement, I turn to the dot. Because I often feel like Vashti at the beginning of the story, gazing around at all these amazing things people are doing, these beautiful, eloquent speeches, these programs people are creating, and I think, what can I do? Can't do that. But I think God is a lot like the art teacher saying, why don't you just start with making a dot and then sign it? Do something, then sign it. Start somewhere, start anywhere, then sign it. For that's where I've called you to be that day. Joshua has to lead the people to the promised land. This is what he's called to do. They've been stuck in the desert for 40 years, but now God is calling them to move. And getting to the promised land won't be easy. It will be a long and arduous journey. 
with many different obstacles. The first, however, is crossing the Jordan. I think we can learn a lot at looking at how Joshua faces this issue. First, he starts with three days of just observing the task at hand. He takes time to plan to figure out how to cross the river safely, and then he signs it. Planning is not doing nothing. Planning with actionable steps is certainly something. Then Joshua has the entire nation sanctify themselves before God. Joshua has all of the Israelites stop and spend time with God. And then they sign it. Friends, take time to pray, to sit with God, both individually and as a community. To acknowledge fears of possible failures and ask God for strength, for courage, for perseverance, for hope when things are difficult, because spending time with God is not nothing. Then the priests take the ark, the ark, which is a sign that God is with them, the sign of the covenant God has made with them, a sign that the God who liberated the Israelites from the Egyptians is still the same God with them, and the priests walk into the Jordan first. Joshua and the people merely follow where God has already been, and then they sign it. Beloved, God has already been where he has called you to go. You merely need to follow where God is calling you. For God has existed in the deepest and darkest valleys. And then the final thing that Joshua does, which... It's actually in the next chapter, but I figured one chapter was enough. You guys did great listening to a whole 17 verses. So I'll just describe what happens next. It's one person from each of the 12 tribes takes a boulder and stacks it into a monument. A monument for next generations to know that God was faithful to them. That the God that split the Red Sea and the Israelites walked on dry land, again, is the same God who split the Jordan and the Israelites walked on dry land. God provided for the Israelites for that first step on the journey of faith as they continued into the promised land. There's a hiking trail right next to my home. It's called Buzzard's Roost. I went out, and I really wanted to do it. I looked at a map and saw it was a nice loop. But the first couple times I went out, the path gets a little hairy, and it crosses back and forth on a creek bed. And several times I attempted this trail and would get lost when it would cross the creek bed. And then I would have to head back the way that I came. I don't know if you've ever planned on doing a hiking loop and had to do an out and back. It is far less fun than doing the whole loop. So I come back to this trail for the fourth time. I've looked at the map over and over again, and I just cannot figure out where to go until suddenly I see a cairn. I'm unsure. I had to look up what these were called because I've seen them before, but I didn't actually know what they were called. It's when people stack rocks on a trail so you know where to go. People who have been on the path before you who know when it's difficult to figure out where to go will stack rocks so you know where to turn, so you know where the path 
will take you. And I went and I saw, and the cairn was only about three rocks high, which is why I had missed it several times before. So I added my own stones to it so that the next hiker would be able to know where to go. Friends, we need the stories of how God has been faithful to you. We need those stories to pass on, and we need to add our own stories to that so people will know of God's faithfulness. Because I think God is calling us to act in the world, calling us to do big things, to move mountains, to cross rivers, but sometimes those mountains seem insurmountable, too chaotic. And so I urge you to start with a prayer and sign it, to spend time with God and to sign it, to know what you are doing is worth doing. When I think of the work that needs to be done in the world today, I think of the fact that we're entering yet another political season that I'm sure is bound to get nasty. But if we serve the kingdom of God before we serve politicians, if we believe that we are called to be peacemakers first, if we are people who believe in grace and dignity and love, then we're called to listen to others. And this is a difficult, difficult task. But I think you offer insurmountable grace and love when you listen to someone who has a differing opinion than you. If the phrase, Black Lives Matter, really upsets you, ask someone what it means to them, and then list them, listen to them, grant them that dignity. If you believe the Confederate statue should be removed from downtown, and you know someone who thinks it should stay, ask them their opinion, and give them grace, and listen to them. Because that's what we are called to do. Our country is not in a place where that is something that normally happens. But as a church who serves the kingdom of God first, we are to offer love and grace. And maybe the things I mentioned, you can't do it. They just create such an emotional uprising in you, you can't listen to someone with grace or with love because it's so important to you. I'm not asking you to get rid of your ideals, but just to listen to others. And so I say... Start with prayer. Go to God and say, I need help. I need your peace in me before I can be a peacemaker in the world. I need your love and grace before I can offer that to someone who thinks differently than me. Because when we only keep people at an arm's length, it's really easy to not love them. And you know what? Each time you do that, Share the stories of God's faithfulness, of the fact that God is working in this world. Share it with your posterity. Share it with your children. Share it with your nieces and nephews. Share it with children who are part of your community because they need to know that God was faithful to you because they are going to come to their own rivers, to their own mountains that they must cross. And they need the hope that God is still the same God who was faithful to the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, the same God that was faithful to the Israelites crossing the Jordan, the same God that was faithful in each one of your lives. It's the same God that will be faithful to the next generation. I love that part 
in the dot when Vashti has experienced hope because someone believed in her. And so she turns around and inspires someone else to do it. Inspires the little boy to be a creator. Friends, we are called in this world to love and to care for others. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.